Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Born 2024. Happy New Year. Watch this. Two national semifinal games coming down to the last play. What more could you possibly ask for? Michigan and Washington, those chips that were on their shoulders, they're restaurant quality now. Dip on the chip. New year, new you, same old you. Let's go around the horn. I mean, everything we've been through, all the adversity. I mean, we don't care anymore. We don't care what people say. We don't care about uh, um, anything that comes up. We just know we're going to overcome it. Michigan talking it. And Michigan versus everybody to get the elusive playoff win. It was through adversity, as they said, late-minute drama, a near-season-ending muff safety. Could you imagine if that happened? And then one play to decide it all. Nick Saban, while crediting Michigan, did say we shot ourselves in the foot that last play when everybody had to think Milrow was going to run. Bad snap, bad play, ball game. You could start there. Or Michigan finally getting over the hump with a plum. J.J. McCarthy, the late drive, the defense in that last minute. Blake Corum grabbing the glory in overtime. Harbaugh getting the last lap. Tim Kalashaw around the horn to you. What was the number one thing? the Michigan Wolverines did to break through? Uh, the number one thing was they broke the Alabama offense. They started out by breaking through that offensive line. A uh, lot of sacks early, seven sacks in all. Lowest total offense for Alabama this season. And it got to the point, even when Alabama was winning in the second half, their best play was a Jalen Milrow run. They didn't really have anything they could go to uh, as, as the game went along. And, it, and it, obviously as it played out, that last fourth down play, they just get it to Milrow and, and let him create something up the middle, and, and it didn't happen for him. I think the center's problems were, were related to Michigan just destroying that offensive line early. They had four sacks in the first quarter, and, and they just never really recovered from it. Courtney Crone, a number one thing that had this Michigan breakthrough working. The Wolverines were the more prepared team. To Tim's point about the issues offensively for Jalen Milrow for that offensive line, they weren't prepared for all of the stunts, the blitzes, the games that the Michigan defensive line ran up front. And then on the other side of that, Michigan's offense was deploying personnel groupings to break tendencies. We know that the pre-snap motion, the shifts, all of those things were elements that Alabama wasn't prepared for. And that all covered up some of the special teams blunders that they had, the missed field goal, the missed Mm -hmm, PAT, the muffed punt. To the point of overtime, though, and what happened for Alabama's offense on its worst day of the season, what is that zone read call on second and roughly eight or nine uh, from the goal line? And then, of course, the fourth down QB power. It was a bad day for the center. It was a bad day for the right tackle who got blown up there, and that was a panic move from Jalen Milrow to run right up the gut. You partially agree with Saban, then, it sounds like, that, that Alabama shot themselves in the foot, specifically in overtime. Marcel Louis-Jacques, to you. 
Michigan dominated the line of scrimmage, and that goes for either side of the ball. Five sacks in the first half on Jalen Milrow. They challenged him. They said, you have not played on this stage yet in your career. We are going to pressure you. We're going to harass you. We're going to see how you respond. And the result is a trip to Houston. Then on the other side of the ball, J.J. McCarthy was pressured on only 30% of his dropbacks. It's the lowest of uh, of the season for mm, him. Is that right? And he delivered three touchdowns, 150 yards when he wasn't facing pressure. Blake Corum even bouncing outside the tackle, 61 yards on seven carries. They just dominated, and they got a group of NFL-ready linemen, deep NFL-ready linemen. And they showed it on uh, they showed it on Monday night. All right, night. I'm sensing a trend here. Then everyone thinks it was in the trenches and Michigan's offensive line. I'll ask the same question to you, Pablo. But I have another question after. Go ahead. Number one thing for the Wolverines. Okay. They protected their quarterback, Tony. Sometimes the eye test is all producing the same answer for a reason. Yeah. JJ McCarthy was excellent when he was not threatened, and he mostly was unthreatened. Okay, it's it's a testament to the size and the speed and the depth they have along the trenches, to be sure. It's also shocking that Dallas Turner after the game, Alabama's star rusher, was like, look, sometimes they didn't ask me to rush the quarterback. Sometimes they dropped me back. There was an interesting bit of complaint there I detected mm. as he was declaring that, by the way, I'm out of here. I'm going to the draft. See you guys. So to me, there were brains broken. It might have also been on the Alabama defense because of the way the offensive line So it sounds like you're saying... Good. Harbaugh outcoached Saban. Are you saying that? Yes. Problem? Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely saying that. Marcel, something you said about how we're going to put Milrow in a position he's never been in before in the playoff game. Well, Michigan had been in the playoff game before with poor success. They didn't have success there. What changed this time around? The resilience of this team. What changed specifically for you? I think that they've developed this chip on their shoulder throughout the entire season. I might not agree with it. I think a lot of that chip, the reason why it was there was of their own doing. But motivation is motivation. And, uh, you know, there's lessons in failure. You can learn from your past mistakes. And it looks like that's what Jim Harbaugh did. Cordy mm -hmm. Cronin, I'll give you the last word here. I think what Jim Harbaugh was telling us at the podium sounds like coach speak, but how can you not look at this Michigan team and everything that they went through this year, the adversity of not having their coach for six games to go undefeated throughout the regular season and up until this point, there is something about the togetherness of this team to be able to overcome all of that, to be able to overcome trailing late in this game, to go and win this game in overtime. That says a lot it's a about setback. resilience. It is your own doing, as Marcel said, but that does not apply to the players on the field and you can hear Blake Corum talking about it the Holly Rowe after the game I love my guys I love my guys they're gonna get back to work next week and their opponent in the national title game the Washington Huskies another semifinal coming down to the last play look at the play Huskies defender Elijah Jackson makes here he swats this away like Shaquille O'Neal look at that into the second row. <laughs> Credit Texas for making it a game that came down to the last play, but Michael Penix Jr., 430 yards passing. These passes are a thing of beauty. He is a habitual bucket dropper, Michael Penix Jr. He said it's about proving everybody wrong, so we have another team who's feeling they've been underappreciated and have to overcome adversity and underdogged all year. Now they're one game away from a national title. Courtney. You're familiar with Michael Penix's oeuvre from his time in Indiana as well. How did Washington do it? Number one thing for the Huskies to break through here. 
I can't recall a bad pass that Michael Penix threw all night. And when you look at his body of work here, no turnovers, no sacks, and he threw 52 more yards than Texas's defensive backs have allowed all season to a quarterback throughout the year. This is a pinpoint reason why he's going to end up climbing up draft boards. And I know we're not focused on April just yet, but it's important in terms of his body of work as a quarterback, finding receivers when he needed to, and also the added element of surprise if you want to call it that there are three runs for three designed runs for 31 yards that were called up by Washington's offense that's not an element that they used Michael Penix in all that often and that's what helped them down late in the game to be able to overcome yet another late scare if you give the Pac-12 a chance to play after midnight chances are it's going to end up a wild finish like what we saw or if you give them a chance to play after 2023 which (laughs) <laughs> so that game ended in 2024. Uh, go ahead, Tim Callishaw. Now to you, the number one thing that jumped out to you with Washington. Yeah, well, I got to start with Penix, too, because he throws deep and he throws accurately. And, and a lot of those plays, those big plays early, Texas defenders were in good coverage, and their guys are just making great, great plays. Meanwhile, I thought Washington's defense, which is a little undersized to play against Texas, they were so creative up front. They got pressure on Quinn Ewers throughout the night. He did not have any stats to speak of until the last two minutes of the game, really, when he, when he got, some, got him going. But uh, for, for there to be that disparity between how Penix looked and how the guy who got a million dollars not to play his senior year of high school looked, that, okay. that's a, All right. that's a, that's, that's a little water under the bridge at this point. Pablo Torre, to you. Yeah, to me, the story was Washington's defense, Tony, because it's almost like Michael Panix Jr., of course. I assumed that he was going to be great. I did not expect the Washington defense to stand up the way they did as Texas had four chances to win the game inside of the 15. Elijah Jackson, that cornerback you just mentioned, he is not some highly touted, you know, draft stock salivating prospect. But he's a guy who, like this defense all year, has basically made plays when and I, this is such a cliche that I hate that Uh-oh. I'm saying it, Uh-oh. but he made the plays when they mattered Uh-oh. the most. Oh, here true. we go, a new it's phrase true. in the new year. Yes. Tony, they are undefeated because the defense bends but does not break. That is a oh my goodness, Bob. They came through and they did it. That's how good this defense is. They reduce me to cliche. Marcel Louis Jacques, please get us back on course here. <laughs> Tony, there's beauty, especially at the college football level, in letting your stars be your stars. Shout out to Kalen DeBoer. You got to this point on the left arm of Michael Penix, and he let him be just that. And it wasn't just trusting him to make smart decisions. Seven completions of 15-plus yards downfield. He was airing that thing out. 257 yards and two touchdowns on those type of plays. I appreciate that. Again, at, at this level in college football, if you've got guys that are better than the other guys on the side of the field, use that to your advantage. It's a simple game. Maybe. I mean, he, he, it felt like he had a chip on his shoulder as well. Maybe he wanted, he thought he should win the Heisman and undefeated team. A lot of comps. People yeah. see a lefty, they think Tua. I have heard other people say Michael Vick, at least in how he releases the ball, not how he runs. I see Phillip Rivers because it's not the most conventional throw, but it gets right exactly where it needs to be. But there's one more question I need to ask after everything that's done. It's a spicy question. You guys with me? Let's go. This has nothing to do with 63-3, by the way, because we all know what happened with Florida State and the opt-outs. And just about every bowl game or every other one is a write-off now. Case in point, Ohio State scoring three in their bowl game. But Pablo does the way yesterday's two games play out. Coming down to the last play, prove that the committee got the playoff right. 
Tony, you're trying to tempt me to betray the one aphorism, the one cliche that I live by, which is that I trust processes. Okay, well, that's not bad for you as well. The committee got this right the day they made the call. I said it on this show. They made the right call. Now, of course, the results conveniently validate that. Yes, I'm glad that the consensus now seems pretty clear to me. But the criteria that they followed was laid out. They justified it, and it made sense to me then, and it makes sense Forty to me Cronin, even more now. You that were on our popular. TV show on Monday, the day after the and you said they got it wrong. Florida State was wrong. They got it wrong. How do you feel today? Which is why we have to look at the CFP product and the national championship that is now set between Washington and Michigan, independent of Florida State and Georgia and the outcome there. If Florida State would have gotten into the CFP, they don't have 29 players opting out or injuries and all of those things that cost them. So I do think that they gave us the best games given the criteria and circumstances. After the horn. I was on the Tuesday show when we got it right, the day after Courtney and her call. The rebuttal, got it yes, wrong. yes. Yes, the committee, <laughs> the committee got it right. They didn't have to have these good games to prove it, but it's nice that they did. We'll take a break right here. Pablo Torre has to pick the pieces up of his cliche-ridden <sighs> arguments. We'll take a fire zone deck. The blind, one-eyed man. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guarantee Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Welcome back to Around the Horn, coming to you from the seaport. Brought to you by Chase. I'm good. I woke up yesterday. I'm, I'm ready, man. I've got controlled fury. So we will use this as fuel. I got pure octane right now. I woke up, I'm ready. So we're moving forward. <laughs> Days later, still controlled fury from Dan Campbell. Says it won't affect the team going forward. Still no further explanation from the NFL on the call, but Brad Allen and his crew will be working Saturday afternoon, Raven Steelers. First came out of the gate in the week 18 schedule. Tip Kalashaw. You were watching this game more closely than anybody. How will yeah. it affect the Lions going forward, you think? Well, you know, I think it'll motivate them when they come back here the second week of the playoffs if the Cowboys and Lions. Right? I mean, isn't that great that game. that could play out that's, that that's way? That's a great matchup to look forward to if they can both get there. Um, it was a bad call. They tried to fool the Cowboys. They fooled the ref. 
But th these ref, Brad Allen's crew is an equal opportunity destroyer. They had just called a tripping penalty on Peyton Hendershot when they meant to call Yes, I know. Every Cowboy fan wants to bring that up immediately. They were other, we've never really seen it play out like this, Cordy Cronin, with the eligibility. Talk to me about how you think it affects the Lions going forward. Well, it won't affect the Lions, but it very well could affect the uh, outcome of Ravens-Steelers. What frustrates me the most, Tony, is that <laughs> yeah. the NFL had their chance to take culpability to show that there are consequences for calls, no calls, that end up deciding games. This is not the first time we've gone through this with Brad Allen's crew. It happened during the Chiefs-Packers game, that non-call DPI at the end there. It happened like two weeks later. Cleveland and Chicago, there was a non-call roughing call on Sedarius Smith, took Chicago out of field goal range. So Darius Smith ends up getting fined later, so the NFL agreed on the opposite side of that. And then they get rewarded with another primetime game, and now they've got another nationally televised game. The NFL's telling you they don't care about these referees and the officiating mistakes that they make, and they're just going to continue to push this thing forward and hope that we gloss over it and talk about something else. So Louis Jacques. Fun fact, Tony, uh, Controlled Fury is actually the name of Dan Campbell's four espresso shot order from Starbucks that he gets every morning. But where was that control? Where was that control on Saturday? I mean, I, can, I appreciate you going for the win the first time. I respect you sticking to your guns the second time, but I don't agree with it. But the third time, Dan, God is telling you to kick the P-18 right, and you baby. did not listen. But... Still, okay, I, I hear what you're saying. There man. does have to be accountability. Pablo Torre, there does have to be how do you think it affects the Lions going forward? Yeah, I think it rests on Dan Campbell's shoulders, his psychology, right? And controlled fury to me, hearing Marcel give that vocab lesson, it reminds me that controlled fury is kind of like, to me, being a little bit pregnant. Like, I feel like they're contradictory, right? If you're furious, you're by definition not terribly in control. You might go for it a million times in a row to prove a point. Will he be trying to prove a point in his locker room that gets in the way of the actual mission of being a good football team? Which they are. Time will tell, but I believe that the biggest impact, of course, should be on the refs and the accountability of maybe hiring some full-time ones. Or does the NFL not want to talk about that as well? Because that would be embarrassing if the biggest, richest board in the world didn't hire full-time. There's the difference in seeding and conference, too, that factors into all of this. And that's also because the Philadelphia Eagles are kind of in free fall. They could have been the one. Now they're staring down the five seed and the road throughout the playoffs. Marcel, how much trouble do you think the Eagles are in after that shocking loss to Arizona this week? Well, they're in, they're in big trouble, don't get me wrong, but the writing has been on the wall since the first half of the season when they played one winning team, one good team in the Miami Dolphins, and they did have a good performance against them. But first 12 weeks of the season, they were bottom third in defensive EPA and in scoring. Those problems have now accentuated against better opponents, and we've seen the cracks. We saw the panic with the defensive play caller change to Matt Patricia, which if, you're, if, if your plan to fix a problem is to go to Matt Patricia to call your defense, then yeah, you're panicking as well I think you with all these good offenses in the NFC the Lions the Niners the Cowboys what confidence can you possibly have in Philadelphia in getting out of this conference yeah it's funny the Eagles season went from man they have this play that no one can stop it's on how can you solve the Eagles and the tush push now everybody is basically pushing the Eagles tush whenever they want so to me Tony this is a season that has always been sort of marred by some skepticism. I'll keep in mind one fact that I keep on repeating on this show. They lost to the Jets. But to me, this is a larger story of, yes, coaching and confidence from the top down at this point. Nick Sirianni looks very different in the light. Tim Calistro. The Eagles might have been the worst 10-1 team we've seen in a while because even then, 
they were giving up 300 yards to every passer they played. But now the offense has kind of glided into that same malaise. And, uh, yeah, they're in trouble. They're in trouble if they play at Tampa Bay. Baker Mayfield and uh, Mike Evans, uh, Godwin, they'll light up that second. Corn. We're 17 weeks into this, and they still have to burn timeouts because they have miscommunication issues. The red zone play calling, the red zone defense, not good this season. I think they're in trouble because the same issues that plagued them week two plague them now 17 weeks in. Tim Kalashaw, thank you for your time in this new year. Pablo Torre, you're making the band in the first segment of the show, or you would be in the mm. showdown right now, but it's Cordy Crone and Marcel Louis-Jacques. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Ravens Steelers, we talked about it earlier this show, the Brad Allen refereeing crew game. Well, it's the first game in the NFL Week 18. The question whether Baltimore rests everybody as they could because they clinched the one seed, but also they did that, or at least sat a bunch of their starters a few years ago, and they were rusty and lost their playoff game. So it's a rest versus rust discussion, and also has Lamar Jackson already sewn up the MVP award, or does he need to do more? Courtney. You prevent against this by playing your starters a half, so you don't have a repeat of what happened in 2019 against the Titans. And I do think that Lamar has already locked up that award. You have a multitude of games to choose from, whether it's Detroit, San Francisco, or the Dolphins. Marcel? Yeah, look, you work and grind all regular season to get that one seed and that bye week between the end of the regular season and your first playoff game. Play for a quarter, but the MVP is his. Agreement there. We'll split the point. We'll move on. Showdown two, Red Hawks. And on that one-game winning streak, could the Pistons repeat as single-game champions in the NBA? No, no. 23-point loss to Houston. So, Marcel, after the 28-game losing streak record and then the one-game win and now this loss, talk me through the Pistons' month. We might be in the midst of the most nihilistic season ever because it's over, right? They're 3-30. and They're not making the playoffs, but there's still a chance they don't even get the number one pick. So winning doesn't matter. Losing doesn't matter. All they need is for their opposing team to trade their best player of the night before they play, and anything's possible. <laughs> Gordy. They didn't need to exercise their demons by burning a Little Caesars pizza at center court, so that's great. It, this losing streak just ended a little sooner than I thought. I was coming. I thought it was coming January uh, 10th against. Oh, you, oh, oh, if you're gonna bring a pizza to me, you better come correct. 
and not where you did. Marcel Louis Jacques, 30 seconds of face time. Hey, look, guys, we can all agree that bowl season is a shell of its former self, right? With players sitting out for the NFL draft or entering the transfer portal and not playing, you're often seeing a team B team versus their opponent C team. At the same time, this is what player empowerment looks like, and I 1,000% support their right to do what is best for them. We see coaches move on all the time with impunity. It's time for players to be allowed to do the same thing. Marcel Louis-Jacques, first win of 2024. And now you get to eat the Pop-Tart mascot we have, yes. 23 and a half hour break, we'll see you tomorrow around the horn.